The Light of the World, in the sermon series, I Am, spoken by Pastor Doug Cho. Hallelujah. Come on. We got some mic issues. That's okay. I'm double mic'd today. No problem. Yes, uh, if you've been following us in our sermon series, I got to put it this way. This is really distracting. <clears throat> if you've been following us in our sermon series, we are currently going through the I Am statements. Um, last week, actually, was the bread of life. Uh, Pastor Peter went over that, and he gave a powerful sermon. I could do it again, but this week I have been tasked with uh, talking about Jesus being the light of the world. No worries, no worries. Um, but my favorite thing about the book of John, and the reason why it's one of my favorite books, is actually because the book of John seeks to answer this question, and that is, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? And what I want to emphasize here right now is that there's this idea of Jesus' closeness and his proximity that we th- see throughout the whole book. All right, we're going to go to John 1.14 right now. If you read John 1.14, it reads like this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. You see, this doesn't read like it's just an account or a story, right? This is an experience. This is something that they've tasted. This is something that they've seen as a people. This is Jesus testifying, risking his life, confronting Pharisees, healing the sick, being with the weak and vulnerable. And these people saw him do it. They were there with him, watching Jesus do all that he can in his ministry. To declare who he is. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we must believe he continues to do the same. That the Spirit intercedes on our behalf for the pleasure of God, our Savior. And who this God is one who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So even during COVID-19, even during pandemic season, we are called to live in this way. We are called to remember that Christ, our Savior, is in close proximity. So let's pray together. Uh, If you're alone, I just want you to Really just get somewhere comfortable. If you're with family, I hope that you can hold hands or something like that. But right now, let's just pray that more than anything, we would experience the presence of God in our homes. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, for your truth, for the power of your gospel. 
We thank you, Lord, for being the light of the world. And that darkness does not overcome you. But God, you bring this light to your people and you shine it upon them. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for turning your face to us, for loving us, for being close to us, for knowing us, for leading us, for guiding us, for loving us in this way. And more. Words will always fall short of how wonderful you are. So God, would you continue to speak today? Would your word be heard today? Would your worship be received today? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So our text comes from a confrontation that Jesus has with the Pharisees. But what I want to do for you right now is I want to set up. Okay, we're good. I won't touch it, I promise. Thank you. Right. Uh, We're setting up the stage here. Because this confrontation happens during a really important week. It's called the Festival of Tabernacles. And this week consists of three main rituals. There's a water drying, there's an illumination factor, and then there's this booth building factor. But we're only going to focus on one, so if you're curious about the other two, you can research that. But for today, we're going to be looking at the illumination of the temple courtyard. Because you know light. And back then, what they did was they would roll out these gigantic candelabra pillars into the courtyard. And it had these huge basins of oil that were connected to it. And then they would just light them on fire, right? And so what would eventually happen was there's this huge blaze coming from the temple. And because the temple's on the hill, right, you could see it from really far below. You would just see this light shining down. And this light was supposed to be a reminder of God's Shekinah which is the word for the pillar of fire that guided the Israelites through the deserts, God's Shekinah. And we see all throughout scripture that light is actually a really important reference to who God is and what he symbolizes. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 119, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. So this concept of light is actually like a really big deal. And so when Jesus comes out and makes this huge declaration, right, he's saying a lot, right? So we're going to go into our main text right now and actually look at what's being said. This is John 8, 12 to 20. John 8, 12 to 20. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. 
I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the father who sent me. Then they asked him, where's your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. All right, this encounter is one of the several important ones throughout John because he's declaring who he is to the people. And this does not end well. This declaration that he is the light is not taken well at all. In actuality, it's quite offensive. It's blasphemous to these people. They're so angered that this man could declare such a thing. And when we study this text, we see that Christ is telling them a lot more than just about who he is. He's telling them about their hearts as well. So what we're going to do today is we're going to run through this text. We're going to look at three truths about the light of the world today. Three truths. I call them three obvious, plain-as-day statements about the light of God. The first truth about the light of the world is that only Jesus is the light. Only Jesus is the light. Verse 12 again. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then right after that happens, the Pharisees challenge him. They challenge this testimony. And we see some wordplay here in verse 13 because what they're trying to do is they're trying to trip up Jesus in the things he said in prior chapters, uh, like in John 5. So Christ responds to them. He says, yes, you judge me by human standards, which actually literally translated can be by the flesh. Right? So this is not just him saying, you judge me by my appearance. He's not saying that. He's not saying, you judge me just with your eyes. He's saying, you judge me by the flesh. You judge me through your sinful nature. And in fact, these upholders of the law were sinful in the way they upholded the law even. Their obedience was in the flesh because what they did was they used their position for power, for prestige, for greed. So it's easy, actually, to fall into this trap that the Pharisees are these really just thick, stubborn, stupid, corrupt people. And when they see this miracle man literally performing miracles in front of their eyes, like, question, like, how could you miss what's going on right before you? How could you not see what Jesus is doing? But I think for us today, it's actually easy to declare it with our lips that, yes, Christ is Lord. But do we actually believe that Christ is Lord? How much of us truly recognizes that Jesus and only Jesus is God? That everything else is an imposter, lesser versions. I know for a fact that many of us have settled for a toned-down substitute of Jesus Christ. So I remember in um, like 98 or 99, I had some cousins from North Carolina come up to visit. They wanted to go to New York City and check that out. And 
for some reason or another during that time, imitation watches were like the thing to sell on the street, right? Folexes. So if you don't know what a Folex is, it's a fake Rolex. And so uh, this guy walks up to my cousin one day with a watch in his hand. He goes, yo, yo, I got this special deal for you, right? I have a contact at, my, at, the, at the Rolex factory, and he steals these watches for us, and he gives them to me. So I have to get rid of these watches, or else, you know, we might get caught. I'll give you a special deal, $50 for this Rolex. You know, my cousin's just like, wow, $50 for a Rolex. Like, that's insane, right? And we're looking at this watch. It has some weight to it. It's shiny. I mean, it works, Right? And like the, the numbers on the dial, they, they had, there were all these Roman numerals. So we're like looking at it. We're like, oh, this is like a really good watch. And then we looked at it and we said, something is not right here. And we looked and we said, something's wrong with the four o'clock position. And he says, what, what, what's wrong with the four o'clock position? Right? It's Roman numerals. You have one, two, three, four sticks for four, four. And we're like, I don't think that's four in Roman. Isn't it IV for four in Roman? And he goes, oh my gosh, you're right. They must have made a mistake at the factory. You know, this must be just something that um, one of the um, malfunctioning ones, you know what? We'll sell this one to you for $20. $20 for this Rolex. And, you know, it's funny, like, he ended up buying it just because he wanted it. But... It was fake, right? It was not a real Rolex. And I'm not trying to throw shade at anyone because I think all these people would agree with me. But if the primary way that you are receiving and hearing from God is through a preacher, regardless of how world-class this preacher is, Piper, Keller, Christine Kane, Peter Ahn, Sunita Ponton, you have settled for a Folex. You are robbing yourself of the real deal. Only Jesus is the light. Only Jesus is the light. Everyone else is just a lesser reflection of that. And it's not their fault. It's not that they're not doing enough and they're not working hard enough. It's just that they're not God. And what we have subscribed to, what we have submitted ourselves to is actually secondhand spirituality. It is not their duty. It is not the pastor's duty to have a relationship with God on your behalf. God made himself accessible to you. He lives in you. Scriptures have been revealed to you, heard by you. We are all actually equal reflections of God the Father. Amen? We are all equal reflections. So we must appreciate that and not let that go to waste. Because you know, you know what's just as important as preaching God's word? It's, it could actually maybe even be more important than having a preacher on the stage. It's the response of the people. It's your response. See, it kind of boggles my mind. Um, when we sit here on Sunday, this room's packed, right? We sit here on Sunday, and the sermon ends, and right when the sermon closes, 50 people get up and leave. 
I mean, I don't know. Y'all make plans together? Like, it, I, I don't, what's the rush? What, why is it that just the sermon must be heard and then we leave? And for me, I see it, it can only be two things. It's that whatever you are going to next is just so pressing that you have to leave or it's just worship and taking communion aren't that important to you. I mean, I got to be honest, like nowadays with the whole pandemic season going on and the online services, we actually have metrics for how many people drop off after the sermon. We have numbers. It's kind of crazy. The point of church is not just to come and listen to someone share their spirituality. You see, worship and prayer and the sacraments are how we physically communicate our spirituality and love for the Father. That's literally why he died. He died so that you could participate in faith. He died so that you could be with him. His word says, I call my people to me. In fact, I can tell you for sure, he died for you to be with him, to hear his word. He did not die for you to listen to what a pastor has to say about God. And yes, teaching God's word is a good thing. Listening to someone preach God's word is a wonderful thing. But wouldn't you rather hear God's word? How much better would that be? And again, I don't care who the speaker is. If all I was getting was someone else's spirituality, I would get bored really fast. Only Jesus is the light. No one else. The second truth about the light. We live in the light. The second truth is we live in the light. Verse 15 says, you judge by human standards. And then Jesus responds again, I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. So this is a little confusing because what Jesus says here isn't actually I don't pass judgment. All right. So we acknowledge that Christ's purpose for coming to the world was to save it, not to condemn it. He came as a rescuer, not an executioner. But you have to read this part as, I do not judge the same way that you judge. Because the Son of God was given a unique authority to judge. He was given that position. But the thing is, is Christ uses a different scale to judge. He judges by the heart, by a spiritual criterion. And I know that that, that word judgment, uh, it doesn't really drive people in like good head spaces, right? Because when we hear it, immediately what we think about is being judged for sin. And then when you add this motif of light, the image you get is usually something like a spotlight, right? More specifically, if you've had the misfortune of being under a police spotlight, you'll understand what I'm kind of um, trying to see, uh, paint for you right here. <laughs> 
Because two things happen uh, when, a pol- when a police officer shines their spotlight on you. Two things. One is that you are exposed. You are exposed. You see, it's crazy because everything is dark around you except for you. You are incredibly exposed. And the irony is, is that although you can't see anything, you are extremely visible and there's just this light concentrated on you. The second thing that happens is that you are blinded and you are separated. Blinded in that all you can really see is that light and yourself standing there. You can't really see anything else. And two, separated because you often hear this voice of authority come out from that light, telling you what to do, commanding you. And you don't know where that voice is really coming from. You can't, it's hard to tell how far away they are, right? That light is designed to separate you. Is this the type of light that Jesus claims to be? Is this the type of light that Jesus claims to be? I don't think so. And here's why. John 1. I'm going to read John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then this is 1 John. I'm going to read from 1 John 1. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, when I read these texts about light, the light of Christ sounds more like the sun. This light, it brings life to the things it shines. You can walk in this light. This light causes darkness to shrink back. It's a very different picture. It's a light that's so bright that although we can't stare at it or see it at its source, the evidence is all around us wherever we look because by this light, you can see everything else. We know that Christ's mission was to reconcile and rescue. And yes, judgment does ultimately come at the end. But the light he represents is not the interrogating, exposing of sins, but rather it's the illumination of sin. The way the sun lights up the outside and how clearly we can see things as opposed to when it's night. And I do believe that's why when Paul writes in Romans 5, where sin increased, grace overflowed all the more. Now, don't lose me here. All right, don't lose me here. Um, Parents, you might have to answer some questions to your children, but that's okay. Last week, Peter talked about how porn was on the rise, especially during this time that we have now. So men and women, do you ever wonder why you watch porn? Do you ever wonder why you watch the types of porn. Now, I can confess 
that this is something I still have to fight within myself. Because temptations like porn aren't just to fulfill a sexual urge. Right? The times that I'm tempted the most, it's when I feel ashamed of myself. When my self-esteem is at an all-time low. When I feel like I failed. When I don't feel desirable. That's when temptation kicks in. You know, uh, years ago, I don't know why, I, I loved going to strip clubs. And there's this term that I would see happen all the time because I would always bring my friends with me. It's, I fell in love with a stripper. I know it's like kind of funny, but it's really real. I saw it happen every time, every time. And it's because it's their job to make you feel like you are the king or the queen of the world. It's their job to do that. It's this beautiful man or beautiful woman throwing themselves at you at the whims of your fantasies and your perversions. It makes you feel special. And that's why this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Because its claim is that it can fill the gaps of your intimacy. Its claim is that it can fill the voids of your heart. I mean, that's why I slept around. But when the light of Christ came into my life, and it did not expose me, it did not humiliate me, it did not shame me, it did not separate me, but rather it illuminated my world, my psyche, my spirit, my past. It showed me what I was trying to fulfill. It showed me the hole in my heart that was next to me. And it was only that light that made me want to stop. I never wanted to be in the dark again. We build crutches and erect idols in this way. Some of us, it's drugs, money, status, careers. Others, it's children our spouse, or our lack of spouse. I've tried most. All these things fall short of the light. Fear will tell you that you can't live without these things. Shame will tell you you are the only one who deals with these issues. Those are lies from hell. So how do we live in the light? How do we live in the light? It's opening up yourself to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know that that phrase is, uh, there's no instruction booklet for it, right? Experiencing the love that was displayed on the cross, how do we do that? Well, where, where, do you, where, where, where do you purchase this even? And it might be confusing. But the best way I can describe this is making Christ your light is like waiting for the sunrise. You have to put yourself out there, right? If you're waiting for the sunrise, you've either stayed up all night waiting for this or 
you've had to wake up really early. And even then, you're not guaranteed a sunrise. It could be cloudy, it could be rainy, who knows? So you go out there and you wait for the sun. And there's no evidence that the sun's coming. It's dark out, right? It's still night. And you wait out there. And in your heart, there's this expectation that the sun is going to come. And then when the sun peaks over the horizon, things start to become visible. Right? It's still dark, but you can make out forms and shapes now. Details we may not have noticed. Colors, textures of the landscape, feelings, memories that we suppressed and did not understand. Maybe wounding, maybe neglect. Maybe some other areas are still dark. All right. The sun comes up higher and higher, and the darkness fades out. And then suddenly, everything is in full view. Everything is covered in light. And the thing is, is, Once you see the sun, once you see everything in the day, you can't unsee it. When I experienced this for the first time, it was the first time I could see myself. It was the first time I could look at myself and not be disappointed or lonely. And it's not just me. Because by this light, you see everything around you. That's why First John tells us we have fellowship with others. Because it was the first time I could look at my dad and not be angry. It's the first time you will see others for who they are. Children of God. And if that's something that you want to experience today, please join us in one of our prayer rooms at the end of the service or email any one of our staff members. We'd love to talk to you about what faith in Jesus Christ can be for you. The third truth about the light. We reflect the light. We reflect the light. Verse 17. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Then no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Verse 17, Jesus says, in your own law, Right, which is a little weird because you know Christ is a Jewish scholar. He's well versed in the Torah, right? He's a follower of God, so you would think he would say, "In our law, there's this degree of separation there." Right, but what he's saying here is, although we're looking at technically the same law, the same text, the same commandments that were passed down from God to Moses to David, the same words, even what is produced from this law is vastly different. See, this law 
should have been producing good within the Pharisees. Rather, what was coming from them was pride, corruption, segregation. And Jesus says, this is not my law. Jesus tells them, you do not know me or my father, or you would recognize that you do not follow my law. You would reflect God the father. You would reflect his light. You would reflect my light. There was actually a scientific study done that when people are exposed to light, um, they actually emit light particles. It's called photon emission. Um, This light is uh, too small, and it's not the type of light that is visible to the human eye. But when it's scanned, in actuality, people who have more exposure to light emit more light. In fact, the face is usually the, the part of the body that was exposed the most, and you would see that most of the light was being emitted from the face. So the question here is, if there could be a scan done on us, how much light would we reflect? How much exposure? How much time do we spend in the light of Christ? Pastor Sunina mentioned this. Moses went up to the mountain to be with God. Right? And when he came back down, the people of Israel couldn't even look at him because his face was shining. I don't think that's for nothing. See, we will never be God. Of course, we will never be God. But the more time we spend with him, the more we become like him. Our likeness, our reflection changes. So the question here is, what does your home look like? When was the last time you met God there? Especially during our time now. We're forced to be at home. We are forced to be with families even. We have to find new ways to reach out to people, to be with communities. I've seen people do virtual um, happy hours, virtual game nights. What do we do when it comes to spirituality? When you can't gather into the building that you used to on Sunday. I want to share with you a quote. It's from an, uh, a sister of the Eastern Orthodox Church. Her name and title is Abbas Thekla. And she wrote a newsletter during the COVID-19, uh, during this pandemic, just addressing the church. And this is what she says. The tempter wanted to close the churches. So let us make our homes into churches. He shut 11 churches. Let us open 11,000. May each home become a church. Let prayer be raised like a torch of fire towards heaven. Let the incense fragrance all the neighborhoods. May the candle and the vigil lamp always be lit. Let us attend the services through electronic correspondence, praying together and not lying down 
or eating or smoking. If we do this, instead of closing down the churches, they will grow and spread and whole cities will become churches. Will people see the light if they looked at your life? If we could watch a story, a video of your life, would people see the light of Christ? Would that be the thing that you reflect there? When people see you at home alone, are you spending your time with him? When people see you with your family at home, are you gathered together? Are you worshiping together? Is your home a torch that points to heaven? That's the challenge that we have today, to reflect the light. Let's pray together. My hope is that you're encouraged. That there's so much to look forward to when it comes to Jesus illuminating the things of our lives. It's not just sin. It's everything. you can learn to appreciate yourself more. Perhaps finally see giftings that you never knew were there. Maybe for the first time you can be kind to yourself. Maybe for the first time you'll tell the slave driver inside of you proceeds to yell at you to work tirelessly to stop. That maybe you'll be able to look at failures and finally see they they don't hold the claim over you that you think they do. that you can let go of your anger, your hatred. And that you can make peace. That is the light of Jesus Christ. That is what he meant to do when he said he would rescue us. rescue us from darkness. Father, we thank you for this time and we thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, I pray that all those who have 
not fully subscribed to. Living in your light, Lord, and finally come through it. Put themselves out there, God. And that, Lord, they would not be able to unsee what they see, God. The light of your grace and mercy covering them. The love of the Father embracing them. would be changed forever. I ask you, Father, that you would convict all the homes that are represented in our church. That Metro Community Church would become a church of a thousand. That we would be a body of churches. That our churches all those separated and scattered would all shine a light pointing to heaven. Help us, Lord, to build ourselves on your foundation, Lord, to build ourselves on your love that is the light of the world, God. Thank you, Lord, for coming to save us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, if you have your app, you can take that out. We have some next steps. The first is I'm committing my life to Jesus for the first time. You want to make Jesus your light. Um, if that's you, please stay tuned. Uh, please stay online. Check us out. There's going to be a prayer room. I will give you direction about that soon. But you can talk to one of our pastors directly. And they'd love to talk to you. The second is, I will commit to making my home a reflection of God's kingdom. I know it can be weird. But that's just because you haven't done it. Just do it. Sing some praises. Read the word. Pray together. The third is, I will commit to confessing my sins to a trusted friend. Uh, Peter calls this real-time confession. Like that Right when you sin, you call someone you confess to them and it's not that we believe that you must confess to another person but this person really helps you understand what the love of God is right that someone else could voice that to you someone else could speak that over you the fourth is I will attend Wednesday at the well online Uh, we still have our prayer service going Uh, We have wonderful worship leaders who have committed themselves to leading worship there. Uh, Pastor Mike has been uh, really pushing this and leading us in this. Um, Hop in. Uh, The the Zoom links, I believe, are all on the Facebook page and all the media, so definitely check that out. Next week, Pastor Dan is going to be preaching on I am the door or gate, so definitely have something to look forward to.